0: I know we had a testimony today, and I'm not sure that we're going to. I'm looking, scanning there. I'm not sure we're going to get to that. Um, Today, we were supposed to talk about fear. Well, we are going to talk about fear. And I thought that was interesting because when I saw the news that Israel was under attack, I was like, Sunday, we could have a church full of afraid people. And as I've prepared for today, I've had so many thoughts and so many like, God, which direction are we going to go in? And until you actually are the one that stands in front of people to deliver what God wants to say, you have no idea what that feels like. So I would, I would ask for your grace and prayers more than judgment. And especially, that was before the news, right? And I was researching I was looking up fear like names of different fears and like how can we start this funny and all the things and and what it all comes down to is that I feel like God had told me one thing and so I'm just going to tell you the one thing and then we're going to respond and I've asked us just to stay together because I really don't want the movement I mean kids can be kids but I don't want to like take a break go out like we just stay in this moment and here's the, here's the one thing that I felt like I was supposed to say today. Fear is good for short-term motivation, but it's bad for long-term transformation. So let's unpack that for a second, and then we're going to talk about two distinct fears. When I was a teenager and had just gotten saved, well, I'm not sure if I was. I, don't, I probably wasn't saved. I was churched. You know, when you grow up in church, you're never sure, right? Like, is this something I know or is it something I know, right? But I, I was raised in church during the um, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 1988. Remember Anybody remember that book, um, which kicked off a whole life of panic attacks for me? I'm not joking about that. Um, I was raised during the Left Behind movie series. Remember that? Um, and, and still Left Behind. And no, really, you're. Left, I don't know what all the sequels were. But I, I gave my, I remember responding to an altar call because this was back when it was really big for pastors to get up and say, they would say, do you know that you know, have you been in those, that you know, that you know, and like at some point, if you say no enough, nobody knows. Am I right? Like, and I was, like, it was the culmination of a lot of fear. I had read this book about 88 reasons, and then, then I think we watched Left Behind, and all I remember is like there's this scene where the stick of butter is melting on the road, and I was like, that could be me, you know? <laughs> like, i come to all these thoughts, and and then on the tail end of that movie. The pastor was like, do you know, that 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 you know. And I was like, no, no, no. Because I was just scared. And I feel like in this series, you know, I feel like what God's asked me to do is I I can't repent collectively for every pastor in the world. But I can, you know, repent as a pastor, like for using fear to motivate people to Jesus, and yet, listen carefully, what we talked about last week is that because of the verse, and just let me read it to you again, perfect love casts out fear, First John chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, because that's true, then when we feel afraid, it should indicate that there's an area of our life that's not been touched fully by the love of God. Wendy and I had this conversation last night, actually. I was like, let me ask you a biblical question. It, it fear's an emotion, but it also says in 2 Timothy 1, 7, that it's a spirit. Like, how do we know the difference? And I mean, I've really been hanging out with the Lord on that. Like, how do we know the difference? Because fear is something that all of us feel. It's an emotion. And I feel like God said, like, early this morning. What is it about early in the morning, right? But early this morning, I feel like God said, Paul... Like, I created you, I made you, your emotions, I'm not, they're not, I was going to say God's not afraid of my emotion, but you know what I'm saying. Like, he, He's not caught off guard. And He wired our brains a certain way. Um, there's this word I, I have our hard time saying, amygdala, I think is how you say it. Like, that's that fight or flight part of your brain that God made. And He created you that when you feel fear, you should say, Why? What is happening right now? And so we respond to the emotion of fear. But y'all, we're ruled by the spirit of fear. I'm going to say that again. You need to understand this. We respond to the emotion of fear. If somebody were to walk in the back door right now, and we're not going to do this. this It's not an illustrated sermon. With a gun and a mask. All of us would have a certain feeling in that moment and it should cause us to either like duck behind the chairs or Richard's jumping over the, he would sneak attack over the sound booth and take that person out. And we'd be like, thank you, Richard. And there's like five or six other people that would do it too. And men and women, I love this church. I feel so safe here. Right But if we gather, that's responding to emotion. God made you fight, flight. He made you to respond to that. But if we gather every Sunday or even stop gathering because of what could happen, we've become ruled by a spirit of fear. you with me? When I was back to when I was a teenager and not really following Jesus, but knew enough about Jesus to be afraid about not following Jesus, I was, I was telling Natasha this morning, I, I would go on dates. I know that's a shocker. I would go on dates and on those dates, I would do things that probably shouldn't do if you're like in love with Jesus. And then on the way home, I would have this like this panic attack like, oh, my God, What if the rapture just happened? And so I would go into my house, everybody's asleep, and I would sneak down the hall and p- poke my head in to where my, my sister was sleeping. Because I had this belief that, like, she was a certain age, and if, if the rapture came, she'd be taken out. So if she was still sleeping, I was good, right? Now, look, there could be all kinds of jacked-up theology in that statement. Don't go crazy with that, right? Right? because you know there's some some people believe in an age of accountability and then when you have children you realize that you no know, even even a 2 year old i think possibly could need to be saved right so don't 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 make that a theological thing in your head just hear my heart my heart was whew, i survived another day of not looking like jesus And it didn't motivate me long-term to be transformed like Jesus. I would go out the next week on another date and do the same thing. 1 John chapter 4, listen to this, verses 16 and 18. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Listen to this statement. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence when... On the day of judgment. So, before we finish that, some of you are already read ahead. What John's saying is listen, there's a way to live in this world that will alleviate fear of judgment in the next. And what is it? He says, In this world, we are like Jesus. In this world, I might not be perfect yet, but I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. And that transformation should alleviate fear of being judged later. And the reason why, when we turn on the news and it says, Israel under attack, and we start texting people, oh my God, am I going to go to hell? The reason you do that is because you don't look like Jesus. Is because there's some part of our lives that have, has not been transformed to look like Jesus. And instead of freaking out, we should fall on our face. We should say, Jesus, whatever it is in me that got afraid of the potential end of time, that needs to be touched by your love. I need you to transform me and maybe like Jesus. So two fears... FOMO, I mentioned that last week, right? Fear of missing out. And sometimes what churches do is they use FOMO to motivate their people. Oh, you don't want to miss tonight's service? This is going to be the best ever. Well, it probably will be the best ever, but we use that to motivate people not to miss out. And when it comes to the end of days, y'all, the greatest fear that we sometimes use is you don't want to miss out on heaven. And if fear is what it takes for you to be motivated to talk to Jesus about the end of time and eternity, please talk to Jesus. But the point isn't for you to accept Christ because you're getting fire insurance for the next life. Fear might motivate you in the short term to talk to Jesus, but it will not sustain you in the long term to be transformed like him. Because at some point you'll be like, oh, remember that time that I turned on the TV and Israel was under attack? Well, they're good now. So I guess I'm good now. When we trust Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of missing out. we were in the back and we were like having this like, it always happens right before we come, we're having this right before we walk out, like this really quick discussion about end times and listen, I am 100% not an end times expert so I will be the person that you call too simple for that I'm okay with it my end time theology is very simple I'm planning on being as close to Jesus right now so that I'll be ready then period while everybody's debating if there's a pre-trib mid-trib post-trib whatever rapture or not rapture while everybody's debating that i'm gonna be spending my time like jesus i just want to be as close to you as i possibly can i want to love you more today than i did yesterday i want your love to consume me more right now in this moment because in this moment and the next moment and the next moment and whatever moment along this line you decide to take me to be with you forever i'm ready More Christians have sold books on the end times. Because people get afraid. And I'm not saying that what's in those books isn't something we should learn. But if we're motivated by fear, we have missed the love of God. Period. FOMO, fear of missing out, last fear, and then we'll do something. Is, I'm going to call this FOMO. That's fun, Right? And it's the fear of messing up. Which is what prompted a lot of probably conversations as we watched the news. Oh, God, am I going to be called to account for all the bad things I've done? Really, God? Like, I've, have I gone too far? Even though I know I prayed and I know your word says, but are you sure I'm good? First John 1.9 says what? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I know it says that, God, but did you see my life yesterday? Wait, that's maybe that's um, ambitious. Did you see my life on the way to church this morning? Are you sure you've cleansed me of all unrighteousness? He's like, yeah, I've cleansed you of all of it, and now we're working it out of you. You don't have to be afraid of messing up. If you're with me, you're trusting in me for salvation. You don't have to be afraid of that. So I will close this morning the same way I was going to close earlier. Because I figured at some point somebody was going to ask the question, so how do I stop being afraid? And I was going to say, pray about it. And then you were going to say, are you kidding me right now? Really? That's your answer? Pray about it? I feel like I pray all the time. Are you kidding me right now? Is there there nothing else I can do? And there are practical steps that you can do. But let me just nerd out for a second, okay? And read you a study that I I heard about this week. It was done in 2003 by a man named Andrew Newberg. He's a radiologist. And it was a study to show the neuroplasticity of the brain. Some of y'all are so impressed that I said that word, you don't know what it means. It means that your brain can change. You need to turn to the person next to you and say, there's hope for you, right? (laughs) Your brain can change. Neuroplasticity. So he did a study. He he used MRIs to scan the brains of two groups. He had one group of people that believed in God, and he had another group that was just a control group. They weren't going to do anything at all. And the study was he asked the people that believed in God to simply pray 12 minutes a day. The The control group, they didn't do anything. No prayer, nothing. So pray for 12 minutes a day. Don't do anything. And after a certain amount of time, he rescanned their brains, and I'm going to read to you what they found. It's a lot of words. You'll be like, what does that mean? I'll try to explain it. The cingulate cortex part of the brain of the people who prayed grew noticeably. The cingulate cortex is the part of the brain that manages emotions, emphatic thinking, and feeling. When the cortex grows, it essentially means you become a nicer, more forgiving person. Prayer literally i'm still reading from the study prayer literally helps us to follow jesus's commandment in matthew 5 to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you this cortex that grows as you pray 12 minutes a day is key to overriding the self-preservation mindset which is our brain's default mode i told you last week that fear is a normal fallen human reaction right So when we say, hey, everybody's going to feel afraid, it doesn't mean, oh, God's cool with fear. It means that in our fallen condition, we are going to feel afraid. We shouldn't shame each other or make each other feel bad for that. We should just address it. I showed you last week that fear was not in the Bible at the beginning, and it will not be a part of the end of time. It is only a here thing. Okay? So what this study is showing is that as our brains default fallen mode is if it's scary run now I know that goes against what's happening in culture right now because horror movie genre is increasing like crazy people love to scare themselves all the time I have from time to time been known to sneak behind a door and go boo right like but our default mode is to protect ourselves at all costs So when we hear love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, we're like, what? Jesus has lost his mind. There ain't no way I'm going to help somebody who wants to hurt me. And what this study showed is that as you pray 12 minutes a day, the part of your brain that helps to override that fight or flight begins to grow. Let me continue one more paragraph. Prayer also decreases the activation of the amygdala, the part of the brain responsible for the fight or flight mechanism. This helps decrease blood pressure and heart rate as well as depression, anxiety, and even PTSD. And because of the decrease of activity in the amygdala, most decisions instead go to the frontal cortex of your brain, which increases self-control and discipline. This was with just 12 minutes of prayer a day. Y'all... What are we doing? Don't even hashtag thoughts and prayers because that won't do anything. Apparently, it does way more than we think. Apparently, 12 minutes a day in the presence of God actually resets our brain to what I believe it was probably like before the fall. When he walked in the garden with God. When they were naked with no shame. Like right (laughs) Don't imagine that. Because if we suddenly were, like, naked, if you're walking around going, yeah, that's right, I'm scared of you, right? Like, in this fallen world, we don't know what it's like to be naked with no shame. But they did. Because is it possible that being with God caused them to have a different brain than we have in our fallen condition? Yes. Yes. So we sing songs like, I don't want anyone else. I don't need anything else. You are my one thing. And some of us in the room are like, geez, when will we stop singing? Well, we're going to go way past 12 minutes a day. Because being in the presence of God changes how I respond to the current events of this world. Y'all can come back out. We're going to sing. And I'm going to call you just to respond. That song I'd mentioned, we're not going to do that. Audible, so fun. In Mark chapter 4, there's a story about Jesus in a boat. And you've probably read it. And the disciples are in the boat with them. And there's a storm that comes up. And we just read this like, oh, it's a storm. But like these were seasoned fishermen, right? And they're in the boat and they're They're scared, They're afraid of the storm. And they turned to say something to Jesus. Anybody remember what Jesus was doing? Sleeping. Why does it matter that we're close to Jesus? Because when we're close to Jesus, then what can't touch him won't touch us. I personally Again, you know, this isn't in Scripture. I personally, I don't think that the whole reason for that that example in the Bible was so that the disciples would learn that Jesus had authority to speak to winds and to waves. I think that is in the Bible because we're supposed to learn how, in a storm, we're not supposed to panic because we're supposed to know who we're with. If Jesus is sleeping, why are you panicking? Jesus right now is not in heaven going, oh my God, or oh my father, like Israel's under attack. What does that mean? He's probably like, now. Now? Now? And if you knew my brother, my brother's like, now, right? Go now. Now, You're like, he's ready. And I'll just tell you this, at my stage of life now, I have a very different reaction to the news. Right? And it's because I've lived long enough, I hate to say that, to know that this song we're singing is true. Ain't nothing in this world for me. And there's a lot in this world that I love. Hello. <laughs> a lot. But not like Jesus. Can I, can I tell you what's super cool? Because I see we got some like some young adults in the house. When we were here at the Link event Friday night, by the way, Madison, phenomenal job. Preaching. It was awesome. Um, it just... I kept thinking, like, this is the next revival, is a generation that has not lived long enough to try everything in the world and is still willing to give it all up for Jesus. That's what's going to shake the world. So here's how we're going to end. I'm going to ask them just to sing. I'm going to pray. It's not really like a dismissal prayer, but I think what's going to happen is we're just going to gonna keep worshiping. And at some point, some of y'all are going to be like, I mean, are we done? And if you are, bye. And if you're not, come. Get in the boat with Jesus. Like, not just in the boat, but crawl down where he's sleeping and be like, if there's something down here that helps you sleep in a storm, I want to be as close to you as possible. And let's just end this morning. With him. You okay with that? So, Father, we're just going to get on our face, get on our knees, raise our hands. As we were singing this morning, even raise a hallelujah, I kept thinking, like, what would it be like to be in church in Israel right now? kind of have this feeling that they, they're they just worshiping. They're with you in this life. And when this life is over, they will be instantly with you in the next. And God, I want to live my life so that I don't have to be afraid of the end of it. Because the end of this life is just going to transition me to what I've always longed for in the next Being with you here is going to become being with you there. And I pray over this body, over those that might watch this later. I pray over people that are literally feeling afraid. I pray that you would help them use that as motivation. Like, God, what is it in my life that needs to be brought close to you so that your love can cast that out? So that I can be like the five wise virgins who didn't have to be afraid of running out of oil because they, they were asleep and drowsy just like the rest but they were asleep ready and God I want to be ready church I'm going to ask you to go ahead and start moving wherever you're going to end this service go start moving that, that direction I know we got people that intercede you're going to be at the altars I know we have people that are going to come you're going to repent we just need to fall before the Lord And bring all of the emotion that we feel right now and bring it to Him. Don't don't look to see what someone else is doing. Just go ahead and start to move. Some of you are going to be sitting in your chair. Just open up the Word. Just soaking in truth. I'm not trying to preach through the prayer, but even in Joshua chapter 1, the entire chapter that is full of be strong and courageous, every command about not being afraid is tied to remembering the truth of His commands. Like, fill yourself with the Word right now, and it will drive fear away. And Lord, I pray more than anything else that we would become a church that looks like Jesus in this world and does not live in fear of judgment. But knows that your love has overcome this world. And if we're with you, so will we.